is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, host Brandon, joined by my co-host Nick and Dan. But gentlemen, instead of just posturing about what might happen, what could happen, uh, what the in the nose don't know, and sometimes do know, we actually had a match of football to cover. So, Dan. Welcome back after your vacation. We're going to stick you right back into the starting lineup and uh, break it down for us. We had our first televised, or I guess streamed, preseason friendly. Yeah, it's football's back. The champions of Europe, we know who we are. We know what we are. We've done it again, we've done it twice, and it's just nice. Like, it's all good times. You know what? Rumors, transfers, all that, you know, it's out the window. Because this was actual live football, Nick, and that's that's what it's all about. It's so, you know, we just got done with the Euros. The last match that we saw Chelsea play was in Portugal, uh, where we, I don't know if you guys know this, we won the European Cup. Um, that was pretty cool. Uh, I listened back to that pod today. That was pretty great. Um, and look, it just, it feels like it's just one thing after another. Like, they just started preseason. They're already playing matches. We're going to parade the uh, the Champions League trophy in front of Spurs in a couple of days before we get into the Super Cup, before we get into the Premier League. <sighs> Deep breath. Yeah, we'll, we'll take it one, one preseason match at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, no need to rush into it. But Dan, as always, we kick it off with the little three-word match review. Uh, so, Rusty, preseason rust, evident. There, there was definitely some, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, there were... Too many that were talking about the prodding or uh, puncturing of fruit. So uh, those have been placed into a bin and yep. uh, will not be read on this episode. Yep. Yep. Um, not not an A for creativity on that, unfortunately. Uh, Michael with the, hey, look, football. That was a good one. Um, Zane with the Broja Bangs Bournemouth. Wow. Okay. Aggressive, Zane, but sure. Very aggressive. Uh, Tana with the drink water is trending, which is was true. He was trending on Twitter uh, during and after the match. Craig with the he's still here, question mark, which that could actually just be the this was the he's still here, Darby. Um, (laughs) All the preseason matches. Big Nash with the warm cherry pie and Mr. Thurman with the shirts are poop. I mean, Thurman, we can fight about that. I. Like the shirts, they don't look that bad, especially when they're out there playing. You don't even see the detail except the yellow. I did put this in Discord. I said I wish the shorts didn't match the pattern. They should just be plain. But who am I to pretend to be the fashionista? I put not my chels. <laughs> we can't really say that is a team that I'm too familiar with, nor do I want to be familiar with. Hmm. Uh, it turns out if we complain this season, rewind to this one. It could be worse, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> It could be worse. Uh, Dan, what about you? Since you just said you weren't going to do this, but. Well, we did. And it's uh, Blues Muddled Cherries. You know, just getting ready to go down into the base of an old fashioned. Mm, an old fashioned. Mm, delightful. Uh, I went with the pandering answer that everyone's looking for. Fans and stands. Yes. I like I it is I think the commentary I think Pat Nevin said it there were only about 10,000 people in that small stadium that Bournemouth has it's tiny but, but man he's like it sounds like 100,000 people when you've been listening to nothing but silence and coaches yelling for for almost 2 years now it's like holy crap 
just amazing to have the constant champions of Europe. We know what we are. like everything. It was so great. Yeah. Well, it was great on during the broadcast when he started conducting the, <laughs> the actual <laughs> fans in attendance to sing, which was quite wonderful. Uh, both he and Ben did a fantastic job on the Chelsea TV broadcast. Per per usual, uh, definitely per usual. A lot of chance for Tammy as well, which is great. Mm. Um, but look, in this episode, we're going to be doing our three up, three down. Three players who showed up on the day, maybe three whose performances were. Uh, rather lacking in uh, mm-hmm. performance. And then we'll talk about how Chelsea are closing on signing the first player of the transfer window, Jules Koundé. Uh, a lot of talk about him uh, as well. Obviously, this has implications for one, Kurt Zuma, who I swear to God, if he goes to Tottenham, they do not deserve him. So we'll see if this might save that for him. But anyways, uh, Dan, huge shout-outs to a few people helping us out on the Patreon and Apple Podcast train. Yeah, we had a, a couple of people we want to say thank you to. We want to th- say thank you to Chase and Kyle for joining for our monthly subscriptions. We also want to say, hey, if you're unaware, we do have a Ted Lasso podcast out. Uh, it's done in a video format as well. Uh, so you get all the physical comedy that you miss during the recording where we get Brandon to make cringeworthy faces because of what Nick and I say. Uh, things like, brand dad and you know just get those wonderful responses um but anyway yeah after every episode we are on the sunday after so they drop on friday we're releasing our episodes on sunday we talk about ted lasso we break down the episode we call it the underdogs but hey you also get access to discord to joe tweezes newsletter once the season starts badges stickers exclusive non-chelsea content go sign up help support the pod we really appreciate it no apple podcast reviews but hey you know what this is a good opportunity for you who is listening in an Apple podcast app to leave a five-star review and say thank you because that helps other people find us. We'll wait. We'll wait. We'll take a quick pause while you go ahead and open up the app real quick. So just- um, Surely you can multitask, which is the great part about it. But hey, let's jump right into the three up side of it, starting with the good news. Then we'll get to the bad news. So, uh, you know, just for reference... Maybe we could start with what the gaffa had to say about the importance of winning in preseason, Nick, which is a whole lot of, well, I'll let you take it from here. Uh, well, first, Thomas Tuchel breaks the Bournemouth curse, I think needs to be just, look, unbelievable. Looks like, looks like someone really swung and missed on their three-word match review. Yeah, it broke the Bournemouth curse. Damn it, you're right. I really screwed that up. Uh, he says, uh, and I quote, I'm always happy when we win because we play to win. Great. Uh, it, it was a tough test. It was tough beginning because Bournemouth started very brave and direct and aggressive and offensive. And, and, and. Uh, he then uh, goes on to say, like I said, we play to win. And when we wear the shirt, we, we give everything and give 100%. That's our mentality and what we train for and to show it. Uh, this uh, quote his very Reads. preseason form. <laughs> this, if you've ever played FIFA career mode, this quote reads like the manager quote in the press conference afterwards. Uh, that was that was my first take on it, Dan. Uh, so wait, this is a Thomas Tuchel regen? Like this? Yeah. Is, <laughs> they're just pulling copy pasta from him. That's great. Yeah, it's uh, all right. Thanks, Thomas. Uh, getting your. Your uh, post-match conference lakes back We're all getting warmed up, man. Come on, we're all getting warmed up. Dan, good luck with this. Uh, What the hell was the lineup? Well, there were multiple lineups, uh, but I think we should just talk about the players who featured. Maybe the starting lineup then? 
Well, we're, no, because there, yeah, there was multiple changes. So we're just going to talk about the fact that uh, Keppa and Mendy both had a chance to play in goal. Uh, Sterling played. Dujon Sterling was subbed at halftime for Matt Miazga. Uh, Louis Baker played. Uh, Lou Bake coming back in. Uh, he was subbed out at halftime for Shalaba. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mangalasar played. He was subbed at halftime for Clark Salter. Hudson Roy played, was subbed for Zappa Costa. Drinkwater played, subbed for Loftus Cheek. Connor Gallagher played the full 90. Marcus Alonso, Captain Marcus Alonso, walking out from the tunnel with the armband on, replaced the 63rd minute for Baba Rockman, who still is at Chelsea, yes. Hakim Ziyech played. Uh, Barkley came in for him at halftime. Tim Abraham played, and Ike Ugbo came in for him the 63rd minute. And Pulisic played, who was replaced with Broja at halftime. And the only unused substitute was uh, Bergstrom, the goalkeeper. So that is... Every Chelsea player that either featured or the one that did not feature today. Yeah, so goal scores, Broja, 71st minute, Ugbo, 76th minute. We had to come back as Bournemouth scored uh, first in the in the second half. So Dujan Sterling with the only booking. He was a bit late. That was fair. Yep. Um, and what do they call it? A preseason yellow? <laughs> so Here, here in that one. Yep. Yeah, exactly. A little, little rugby tackle there. Oof. So, all right, we got kind of that out of the way. Again, what a lineup. What a, a crazy world we live in. Uh, when Alonzo <laughs> did come off, uh, Mendy took the captain's armband, and uh, I felt pretty good seeing that. So uh, I'm definitely still pro-Mendy in case everyone's wondering. So anyways, who are the three players who might have moved themselves closer to consideration for Tuchel's 21-22 season plans? Uh, we kind of have a mess of players here. Look, we all almost agreed on Baker Almost all agreed on Broja. Well, we did all agree on Broja. Um, and then you have some different things. Dan and I said Callum Hudson-Doy. Nick did not. I said Ruben had some good movement. Nick, you did. But you had Ross the boss, the preseason hero, Barkley. I don't like writing it, but he looked pretty good. Did he? I, he did. He did Can look good. F- he can he we advanced to the talk ball. about the better players first, though. I mean, there were clearly one or two were a cut above, no, which I lightning think... rods stick to the top. <laughs> no, we should start with Broja because Broja looked the best. Yes. I think out of Man any of individual. Match. Yeah, he, he was absolutely uh, the damn the match, and you know what? Like he he looked good, and he took a really intelligent, you know. He, really intelligent pause before he kicked that ball into the back of the net. Found he himself in good positions. In. Little roof, he wide open it. inside the six yard box. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was great. Give me. He t- he took a good touch though, to be fair, because that Ra- uh, Baba Raman just rocked that pass in there. It was a great it was cross, a by the way. But he had to take a little time, you know, get him get himself set, and he, you know, just roofed it. It was great. I thought he missed it at first, which I would have been a real bummer. But uh, but no, it went in. Yep. I that, I don't know if I would give him man of the match, but what I would say. Who else are you giving it to? Just okay. Brandon Busby in preseason form. Not, clearly. not interested. No, just because I didn't agree with you doesn't mean I'm Ross just going to roll over. No, I honestly <laughs> thought he was pretty fucking poor. The game what? passed him by. Come on, but, really? Yeah, I just didn't see a lot out of him. He looked pretty empty between the ears. Um, but Jesus. with Broja, he did. I felt like the thing was he was very striker esque in the sense of like he did two things well. And he, and he damn near scored on both things. I mean, he hit the post, did get his goal. So I thought at the end of the day, he definitely didn't look a cut. Like, he didn't look out of depth in the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I guess I didn't feel like he just manhandled the game to give him man of the match. To your counterpoint, who really did? 
that's where I'm probably going to come up empty because there wasn't a lot. I mean, Ike Ugbo's goal was a non-starter for me. I mean, literally one foot off the line, off a corner kick. Like I, with, the, I, with the Barkley I, assist? I could have start. I could have scored that one. So careful, <laughs> put yourself out there. The Instagram uh, comments will not be kind to you, Nick. After hearing that, Dan, you and I liked Hudson Odoi. Felt like he was very positive, very attacking. Uh, put some uh, some good crosses, and I thought he even got a couple shots off. Put himself in dangerous positions, even though it, you know the final final part didn't come from him. Yeah, there there was the interesting break on the right hand side where Ziyech caught him out, and you would hope the ball would have caught him on the the bounce rather than needing to be needing to land and him kind of come back to it. But he was often able to find space on the right hand side of that Bournemouth defense and either get the ball in the box, potentially win a corner, get the ball and cross it in. It, you might talk about robbed assist if that's your game or if that's your bag, but he probably could have uh, done, you know, been a bit better appreciated for his passing by some of the lack of finishing, which, again, that is the 2019 uh, or 2020-21 story was the finishing. And so I think, Nick, I mean, that's probably where you want to see Callum maybe take more shots. I mean, he only took one that was, I think, you know, it was a good, you know, a good strike, but it was right at the keeper. It could have maybe used a little more power, but ultimately, I, you know, I thought he looked fresh and this whole talk of, you know, is he finding his footing? Is he finding that explosive pace? He definitely, at least from a cursory view, looked like he was I mean, a little bit more pacey than he was at the uh, end of last season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he looked quick. I mean, he looked up for it. I just don't think he did a whole lot you know i i like i thought there was some okay movement around the wings you know it was fine but i you know i don't think him and sterling really gelled that much mm-hmm. frankly and you know i think there there were opportunities i mean i can say the same about pulisic too to be fair i think pulisic was slightly more dangerous in attacking areas and got fouled quite a bit because he was a little too quick for some of Bournemouth's defenders uh but yeah, I don't think anyone really covered themselves in glory in that first half. And in fact, I think that first half was as chaotic a game as I've seen in a long time. I mean, it was just, it was kind of schoolyard stuff. I mean, Bournemouth were flying all over the place. You know, they were psyched to play at home in, in front of their fans against the champions of Europe. And, they, you know, they were trying to prove that they were not a uh, a championship side, I guess. And, uh, you know, Scott Parker's there now, which it was an interesting move for him to take over for Eddie Howe. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it just wasn't uh, kind of a shit show, to be honest with you. Like, it was a bad game. And then it settled down in the second half when Chelsea brought in some changes. And it's like, you know, I, I, I think that Ruben played pretty well um, in midfield, helped settle some things in the second half. I think that Ross played pretty well advancing the ball. I know you guys don't, but I I think that he he got into a lot of really good space. I think Ugbo looked good. I think uh, you know the the thing that impressed me most in this match, though, was Broja's hold-up play. He looked like a guy who could turn you know his back to goal, hold the ball up, bring on you know attackers, advance play, and then he clearly had the finish. So I think you know you're looking at man of the match. It has to be Broja. He was the most impressive player. I mean, I, I we both put Lewis Baker. I mean, haven't seen him in years, right? He's been on the lone train. Uh, contract expiring at the end of next season, so we'll have to see what happens. But he just got back from Trabzonspor, 
which this is crazy for him. So he went to Dusseldorf at the beginning of last season and then came back in the middle and then went out to Trabzonspor in Turkey for the second half of the season. I mean, that is just that is a lot to take on. I mean, he's been doing these half season loans. He did a full season at Middlesbrough, but then he went to Leeds and then at half of the season he went to Reading and then finished the season and I said Dusseldorf. So he's just been hopping around, but he looks technical. He was tidy. He, I think he was playing a center back position, which I'm sure is not exactly in his forte. Uh, but the question I had was maybe about Ruben. I don't know if this was more sentimental than anything, um, but to see him back, to see him uh, wearing the Chelsea kit again, it just felt right, looked right. But again, I don't know if I had my Ruben tinted glasses on, Dan, or if um, he seemed like he, you know, I don't know, could cut it. That midfield is really weird with Ruben, Ross, and Connor, and they really didn't find where each other was supposed to be until the 70th plus minute. And so, you know, some of them came on obviously a little earlier than others. You know, you saw um, Loftus Sheet come in kind of on halftime. Barkley comes in on halftime. He's trying to kind of connect with Gallagher. There are also some subs happening behind them as well. So, like, some of the continuity was a little weird. But once Ruben was kind of pressing forward a little bit more, you found him kind of trying to gauge with, with Cho, and that was good to see. But, yeah, I, I mean, Nick, I don't know if you saw this. Nevin seemed to indicate that he thought that Ruben didn't look entirely fit at one point. Mm. And... That was a very interesting comment I picked up on is, you know, he, obviously he's there on the ground. He might have a little bit better view of it. But, you know, he said that he felt like he saw him just kind of pulling up a little bit or kind of not moving as uh, as quick as he thought he might. Yeah, he got cut down a couple of times. I mean, it's, you know, he he suffers the the LeBron tax in basketball, right, where you, you're too big, you're too strong. And so you get pulled and, and yanked down a whole lot and whatever. I... I I don't know. I thought the, I thought that he looked sharp on the ball. I thought that he he kind of helped steady that midfield a little bit. I mean, Connor Gallagher was throwing himself in all over the place today, and I think deserves a lot of credit too. He's he's maybe one that I I left off my list, and and maybe that was an oversight. But yeah, it was it was a disjointed formation. It was a disjointed performance. You know, kind of fortunate to get those couple of goals, but I mean, this was not a. Uh, a vintage uh, Thomas Tuchel performance for Chelsea. And uh, how could it be? I mean, you played uh, 22 players in the match. So, all right. Well, um, you know what? Hit us up on social media. Hit us up on Discord. Let us know who kind of your three top players were. Again, really tough because I think we had three different lineups, you know, kind of through the throughout the match. Uh, only what was it? Connor? Is he the only one who played the entire game? Yeah, I think he played the full 90. Yeah, I think he's the only one that played the full 90. So anyways, there's obviously going to be starts and stops and lack of chemistry and things like this. But if you had a standout player, uh, tweet at us, put it in the Instagram comments or chat it up in Discord. We'd love to know. But hey, we're going to take a real quick break. But before we do that, we've got some housekeeping coming, Nick. That's right. We've got a lot more to look forward to before the season officially kicks off. That is correct. Uh, we have upcoming pods. Obviously, Dan mentioned the lasso pods on Patreon dropping every Sunday. We have Tweed's Transfer Notebook, number three, coming up on uh, on Friday. He's going to cover off on some defenders. Uh, perhaps we'll talk about one uh, briefly at the end of this episode. Uh, we have, I, I believe, the unit of measure is a metric fuck ton of podcasts coming in August. Uh, it's it's going to be wild. There's a ton going on there. 
Uh, we have a ton, a ton, a ton of, uh, of shirts, uh, European champion shirts. So you should go to our Shopify and check that out. There'll be nothing better than showing up to the pub this season, oh. rocking that and letting everyone just a little know. shine. Just, just know. Rock a little shine to the bar, see your Liverpool mates and go, actually, hey, what's up? Um, a quick note about Vegas. We've talked about Vegas a lot in the last couple of weeks, and we hope that you are going to join us for uh, for Football Fest. We are obviously monitoring the COVID situation that's happening in the country right now. We'd be stupid not to. Uh, we will be doing our best to share updates on social and the pod. And uh, as we talk with Blue Wire, we talk with the wind and make sure that everything can be done safely. Um, and so just know that we'll be doing that. We're in constant contact with them. All right. Well, thanks to the sponsor for financially supporting the show. We'll be right back. All right. Debbie Downer time. The three players who we thought sucked. I'm just kidding. Maybe someone who could just oh, show a little bit more today. Don't worry, Dan. We don't do that. We don't do that here. But I tell you what, there was definitely some players that uh, didn't do themselves a whole lot of maybe good in Tuchel's eyes, but that just means Lone Army, all right? There's still a second chance for all these Chelsea players. Um, Dan, Keppa, why? Kept a clean sheet. Kept a clean sheet, but uh, man was really struggling on the distribution front today. Hey, it's hot, it's slippery. Real... I got answers. You just let me know. <laughs> he, he had that weird throw where he it yeah. looked like he changed his decision like halfway through. Nevin, uh, Nevin called it in real time 100% accurately, yes. Uh, and just a few, you know, odd moments. And I think, look, I think it's also predicated on the fact that he is starting with three, essentially a back five that he has never played with in terms of a combination. And Nor so, have they ever played with <laughs> or ever. some of those positions. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I mean, look, I, it, I think it looks less and less likely every day that he'll go out on loan. And so he's going to be our second choice keeper this season. And uh good opportunity to get some minutes and work on distribution. So so just to pin you here, he was one of the worst players overall today for you. I think no, it was more that he could have shown more. I, I think there were like uh, the way I framed it mm. is I mm. said three players who could have shown more today. You're trying to build this as the worst players. Just, and that seems, seems like you have an script. agenda. Not I'm what just I trying to trying to figure script. out what what do you have going on with uh Keppa, which you know, whatever. That's fair. Uh, I put Jake Clark Salter. Um he used to be a very highly rated center back. He's playing left center back. Uh speaking of distribution, flared a couple passes. Um I I just I don't know. I guess I was kind of hoping for another young academy center back, but the problem is, Nick, is we have realized a lot of center backs are being exodusted out of the club. Well said. <laughs> um, so yeah. like the Tuesday evening I mean, how do you say, recording from Brandon Busby. I mean, what's the past tense of exodus? Exodized? <laughs> Moved on? I, you know, hey. I, I had a word. I wanted to use it. Yeah, fair enough. Jettisoned? <laughs> yeah, jettisoned. Jesus. They're not... It's not like the car rocket where you just, you know, um, uh, yeah, it's it's just kind of clear that, you know, that that position doesn't really exist. Confirmed. Exist at Chelsea right now, uh, which is massively disappointing in a lot of ways. And I've already had my gripes on that, so I'm not going to belabor that point too much until we talk about the potential new siding, which I'll bring it up again. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was it was just not. Not a great performance for many of our center backs today, to be fair. 
you could probably make the case that Shalaba had the best center back performance. Uh, and even then he was just kind of okay. Um, DM so, covering in, you know, yeah, not, not what you want, but that's okay. Um, I'm looking at because look, I don't need to kick Danny Drinkwater while he's down. He's not going to be a part of the plans. That doesn't, med, yeah, okay, fair enough. You can you can wow. do that. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at players who could potentially play, and you know, barring you know a really good performance, are probably not going to play that much. I didn't think that Ziesh played that well today. I thought he had a couple of moments, and he had a chip pass to Tammy that Tammy didn't really do much with on on the header. That was kind of it to me. I, I didn't get a whole lot from him uh, i think ex- he's I, I was the same thing with you right you'd expect him to kind of manhandle this type of a game i would yeah i mean right this, i just th- this formation does not suit him whatsoever mm-hmm. though i mean it's just it's just not where he excels so uh that's a bummer uh i didn't think that dujon sterling necessarily did himself any favors mm-hmm. today or covered himself in glory uh he's being mooted to be like a backup right wing replacement uh since uh we have lost uh, Livermento. So that's, that's all right. And then I, you know, I love Tammy to death. Y'all know that, uh, he's my boy, but I don't think Tammy covered himself in glory today either. Didn't shoot when he had an opportunity to probably could have scored a couple of goals in the first half. Didn't, uh, just looked really unsure. His body language was terrible today. Uh, he looked like he, he was just not in a, in a great mood. So, uh, those are my three. Gotcha. So just that real quick. So Nick, if I can pin you real quick, you're saying Tammy was one of the three worst players. No, that's not the way that Dan framed the question. (laughs) Dan framed the question. What's your agenda, Nick? What could they have shown more today? And these three players could play for Chelsea this year. Drinkwater's not playing. He was huffing and puffing his ass to halftime. <laughs> Drinkwater looked like me out there, man. Yo, he could not wait for halftime. He's like, when are the when's the water break? Did, did we get that that half halftime? Are we doing that? No, okay. <laughs> he's out there. He's a, he's the best kids alive. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> like the twentieth minute, he's looking for drinks break. Um, like I I I will say with the Abraham standpoint, I think the caveat i provide is for a player who's mooted to be leaving at some point in this window potentially that i could imagine that that does have an impact particularly when you think about the fact that he did not play for a very significant period of time under tuchel so far however i appreciate nick's consistency here because if timo Werner missed the chances that tammy abraham missed today we would not hear the end of it. And so I think that, you know, it's just calling it out like you see it. Like Tammy had opportunities mm-hmm. to either take the shot on individually, didn't necessarily take it on, had you know an opportunity on a header, could have done better with that as well. Like there were just, you know, multiple occasions where, you know, maybe he if he's someone who's looking to either place himself back into the conversation as the club's top striker needs to convert those, needs to show off against the championship side to prove that he is the person that he believes he is and many supporters believe he is as well. Well, more importantly, why do you, why are you hating on Gallagher here? He was your third name on the sheet. Yeah, Dan. It's, it's all about showing more. I, I think because he got a he shitty back pass from Clark Salter and didn't deal there with it. Was the, the back pass and almost own goal was definitely <laughs> uh, one that was uh, maybe worth question. He, he faded. And I would say that that is, probably the fact that he was the only player asked to play 90 minutes in a preseason. But, you know, I, I just, 
the way he was combining in, you know, with Ruben initially was a little weird. And, you know, I think that ultimately I just, you know, for a player who excelled playing a little bit more forward, both for West Brom um, and for Charlton being more attacking player, like trying to find more opportunities to be involved, to press forward if possible, because I think that's what he's going to need to show to be in considerations for the plans this season. Again, it's not that he was the worst player on the day, but I think he's going to be need to show more in that midfield to get ahead of Kovacic, to get ahead of Jorginho. And I think that's, that's how I'm framing it here. Not that Brandon Busby's, what's your agenda? Let me pin you on this one. <laughs> hey, man, defend it. No, look, he he definitely had some tired leg fouls at the end of the game, even some in dangerous positions. But, you know, I think that's more due to his his lack of conditioning and work rate versus anything too too concerning. Um, I don't know, right? Like, there's definitely moments you could nitpick on a lot of people, but, you know, to, to the point at the end of the day, was preseason, I think – it's just I'm not ready to jump to any conclusion. It was just so fractured, you know, like Connor had to play one way in the first half. He had to play one way through 60 minutes. He had to play another way to the last 30 minutes because of the changes that kept rolling in. So um, I just think at the end of the day, I was happy to see Chelsea out there playing again. It was great to see Tuchel. Um, it's funny to see um, Scott Parker way overdressed for preseason, but he's keeping that thing going. Look, Looking sharp, my man. Well I mean, done. A nice summer sweater because England. <laughs> was it cold there? Yeah, it was. It's been chilly all summer. I mean, the, even the European Cup final was was That's cold. Can, can I quickly credit the the Bournemouth fans who I think probably had the moment of the match? Um, this is uh, I'm crediting Yannick who posted this on Twitter. Uh, Chelsea fans singing "We've won it all." Bournemouth fans countering by singing "We've won fuck all." <laughs> Well, well done, guys. Yeah. A plus. Well done. A plus from the Bournemouth fans. I'm surprised they weren't like, you know, trying to come up with something about, to your point, like, what's your record against us? <laughs> it's quite shocking. Um, anyways, Dan, uh, I appreciate your caveat in the, in the Dan of the match here, uh, especially as <laughs> Nick gave one of your votes as one of the top or the bottom three players. But anyways, uh, again, preseason, it's, it's tough. Well, look, the four options, four choices might not be perfect, but it's preseason. I also will have rust as well with my hand of the matches for the next couple games. And so we're just going to put the asterisk there, put a little, uh, put a little warning so I don't get all the, uh, the, bur- the Twitter burns. Continuing uh, a, with the Nick Verlaney. Continuing a proud tradition of rust. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> look, you know, uh, six or seven seasons of rust, you know, it's a lot to shake off. Um, anyway, Broja wins this one with uh, 64%, uh, Hudson Odoi with 30%, and then Lewis Baker at five, and Dujon Sterling with two. There were a couple shouts for Gallagher, a few Danny Drinkwaters in there, but uh, that was, you know, the, the rounding errors. Those hey. were the right ends. And hey, be careful. They, they did not get a percent. You might get blocked. Be careful what you say. Danny Drinkwater. Watch yourselves. Hero. Just, just be careful. Um, all right. So anyways, that's that that thing's out of the way. Uh, and then look, here we are, minding our own business today. And this guy, Fabrizio Romano, comes out of nowhere dropping an exclusive Chelsea bomb. I can't, I can't handle this. I have work to do. I have a life to live. And Fabrizio... Drops a, an almost a here we go on us. Who who is Jules Kunde? Besides a center back that's shorter than Nick Verlaney. True. 
He's a defender from Seville. He's uh, apparently done very well in that league and on that team and will, according to Fabrizio's exclusive, will be a Chelsea player here in very short order through 2026. Mm -hmm. And uh, for those who are wondering, what's happening with Chelsea? Why are we hearing a ton of things about transfers? Here's one that we were not hearing about at all. And then just in a moment, pop, here we go. We're going to have a transfer and it's probably going to be done by the end of the week. And we might even have a player going the other way. But to Brandon's point, you know, Fabrizio drops the news on Twitter and then goes on his Twitch stream. So it's like in between work before the match, I kind of pull it up real quick. And then it's like, oh, hey, by the way, Fabrizio. So Fabrizio walks off camera in his streams when he's getting like a transfer call and they throw up a transfer call banner. And so his uh, his co-pilot is talking and kind of monitoring the chat. And then Fabrizio comes back in. He's like he's holding his phone. He's like looking at it. He's typing back furiously. He's like, I can confirm Kurt Zuma is the player. Kurt Zuma is the player that they are going to include in a potential swap deal. Look, all right, let, let me go ahead and continue to frame Nick. Feel free to jump into these things. So. He's played in four seasons professionally, starting at Bordeaux for two years at the age of 18. So he's been a full professional for four years, uh, played 18 matches, then 37, then 25 his first season with Sevilla, and then 33 matches this last season. So he's already played 10,000 minutes uh, of professional football, and he's not even 23. He's getting close, but he's about three months away. Um, he's French. He's right-footed. He's five foot ten and 150 pounds. Now, where we get into kind of the the percentile versus center backs in the top five leagues, this is from FB Ref. He apparently takes a lot of shots. I don't know why that's a big deal. I, I got I got some stats for Sevilla from last season. Go for it if you'd like. If you'd like that, most plas- most passes played into the final third. Uh, most aerial duels won, most ball recoveries, most interceptions, second most clearances, second most progressive passes, second best pressing success. Um, look, I, I mean, I have thoughts on this. Like, I, I, I woke up today um, and, and chose a little violence. bit of violence <laughs> on Twitter. You did. Um, and, and look, a lot of people uh, had some, you know, spirited debate. Aurelius and, and Marv and, and a bunch of cats uh, had had some spirited debate with me. Uh, I will not be moved off my position that it's it just strikes me as a weird use of resource. This is not an anti-Jules Koundé thing at all. He's a, he's a fantastic player. He's going to be great for Chelsea. I'm going to root like hell for him. He's going to be great. It just seems like a very weird use of resources to clear out two young center backs with similar characteristics, maybe not as polished at this stage as he is, but with similar characteristics who cost you nothing. uh, And to then as a part of this deal, send out your best defender in a, in a four back uh, in in a a best center back in a four back setup uh, as well. It just, it seems like we're committed to the, to the three back with him coming in. Uh, And I don't know, if he's going to play, uh, Tuchel loves experience. Tuchel loves Thiago Silva. He loves Espilicueta. He loves Christensen. And he loves Rudiger. Those are four center backs before Kunde gets here that he's going to have to beat out. And it would seem odd 
if if Tuchel just abandoned ship and went with someone really young because. So just those are my uh, devil's advocate plays on Jules Kunde. I'm really excited if he comes, but like, for God's sake, man, I'm taller than him. So I was trying to detective the why, right? Like why Kunde? like they clearly value him as a player. So it's great. And like once someone's Chelsea player, we support them. We're excited about them. We want them to be successful uh, when they're here. So my thought with Zuma being evolved, so Zuma's 26, turns 27 this year. His contract expires at the end of next season. So he's two years out. Beginning next season, he'll be one year out. So if they have a belief that Kurt Zuma would not renew or they potentially would not want to sign him to another deal, that could be the reason why Chelsea are looking to move him. I know there were also rumors, too, about Emerson being offered up. You know, Euro hero Emerson was offered up, but uh, Sevilla wanted Kurt Zuma. So that seems to be why we're in this situation now. And, I mean, look, you're, you're getting a younger player, you're getting in someone who's experienced in uh, Europa League and in um, in La Liga. And so it'll be interesting to see um, how he gets on here and if he does end up potentially being a backstop for if Rudiger contract situation goes south, right? Because he's going to want a really prime contract. This is kind of the big you know, bumper deal that he's going to be looking for after winning the Champions League with us to, you know, secure his bag. And, you know, he should fight for himself and every opportunity he can get for that. But what if, Brandon, he doesn't sign an extension? Now he's running out in one year. This is a little bit of an insurance policy there. I know that we have let some talented players walk away. We have sold them for less than probably what we will net pay out on this individually. Um, it's... There's some odd squash management pieces, but if we're trying to find some reasons why this would have happened, those are the ones I'm coming up with. Yeah, I get that. I just, you know, from my fan perspective, to lose potentially Zuma on top of already losing Mark Gurhi and Fikao Tomori, who I already know I love, now I got to go and take a punt on someone. And I think just the biggest red flag for most fans is the height. It's like another Aspie. It's like another Reese James. Can they get away with it? I mean, the fact that he's won the most aerial duels for uh, Sevilla is great. I don't think La Liga has a lot of crossing, to be fair. But I would say that he's in the 85th percentile of aerials, one of all center backs in the top five leagues, which means he's aggressive, reads the play Mm -hmm. well, has great positioning. But Phil, Chelsea youth, kind of made this argument early today. Spain doesn't have Harry Maguire's. It's just different. That's that's my point, man. You're you're asking a very athletic guy. He he again. If if Tuchel wants him, and Tuchel we trust, right? I mean, I I'm he's earned I'm, every that. Of <laughs> course, that. of course he has. And like we're we're saying this a little tentatively, but you know, if he comes here, I'm going to root for him, and and you know, again, be be very excited about him. But you're asking this guy, this undersized center back. To come to the Premier League, the most physically demanding league in the world, and it's not by a small margin. Look what Timo Werner did last year coming here. Look what Kai Havertz had to deal with coming here. And you're going to ask him to have to play at his like peak level all the time because he's undersized and because he's 
he's not even very stout uh, as a player either. He doesn't have the the Eden Hazard uh, center of gravity uh, benefit, you know. So I I just think there is a you know it's it is a little risky. Um, now a lot of people have said that you know uh, there are center backs in Europe who are very successful who are undersized. Um, and, and that is true. Um, a lot of those players did not play in the Premier League. Your, your Mascheranos were, were, were defensive midfielders before they became center backs in La Liga. Uh, so you just don't see it very often. And it's, it's just an interesting play from Chelsea to, to bet on it. Now, he's young. He's 22. So you're getting him in, you know, a really good spot. And he's probably not going to be that expensive, especially if a player moves. But look, I don't know, man. I, I just woke up today and uh, and chose a little violence on Twitter. And, you know, I'll be honest, it was a lot of fun. I Again, losing these players and, and getting good money for them, you kind of want like a big name center back. It sounds like we're going after a big name striker. It, you know, it's we just came off the Champions League and I don't know, maybe he's a young, up and coming, promising player. And his profile almost sounds like a better right right back, right wing back. And we've got that. I was trying to look at because I'm I I didn't I don't know but I'm like who are some of the top defenders in like center backs that you like the names you'd go to like obviously I don't think we need the Sergio Ramos Varane going to Manchester United surely Chelsea would at least kick the tires on that one uh, you've got Marquinhos and um, shit mm-hmm. the center back you know in Germany went to Bayern and then the other German one came to Liverpool. So- I'm just saying I felt like there were bigger, more prominent names and Chelsea are like, hey, we got a deal. And it's like, shit, we had comparable players already here. And what's he going to cost? For, for reference, Gurhi was two inches taller. Tamori's three inches taller. So and Nick Verlady's one inch taller. Uh, so that's. Well, in a game of inches, this is uh, this is how we're we're mapping it. It's the uh, Nick Verlaney height index. That's right. Look, man, I don't want anyone playing center back for us that is uh, significantly shorter than me. So, hmm. as he's five ten, I know if we're just gonna. I know he is. I know he is. Like I am also taller than Aspie. I have a photo with him uh, where I prove that. But I think there is a. It's just a, an interesting use of resources. Is all I'm saying, especially as we know. Declan Rice, Holland, Lukaku, Chuameni, like all these guys are on the on the bigger, more physical side of the ball. Yeah, the, the other thing that, you know, again, we, we talk about wages as being a part, the hidden cost of a player. You would imagine if Kurt Zuma was going to extend, he might want more wages. Someone coming from La Liga, historically lower wages relative to the Premier League. You help manage that cost maybe a little bit better. So, I mean, like there, there are... Business elements to it, which I'm sure the club have found appealing as well. And again, they scout a lot of players. I mean, Veron, you know, with the rumored, you know, multiple hundreds of thousands a week, um, potentially would zap our entire desire to sign Erling Holland. So, I mean, yes, Brandon, I think to your point, sure, they probably kicked the tires on Veron, but he also wanted something different than you know, winning titles at Chelsea. He wants to go collect a fat payday from Man United and, um, you know, fail to finish in the top of the league. Hilarious. They signed a three-year extension for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So uh, good luck eating what... <laughs> Signing of the summer, guys. Come on. Yeah, it's going to be so thrilled. Anyways, 
Uh, a five-year deal with Chelsea, allegedly. Discussions including Kurt Zuma and an arrangement, again, coming from Fabrizio Romano. Uh, you can tell that we've completely deflated in this conversation. But again, has nothing to do with, you know, Kunde has nothing to do with... Uh, has nothing how we think to Chelsea, do with him. Yeah, Chelsea are being run. We just, as we try to put the pieces together from our, you know, armchairs and amateur status, we just feel like there's some very obvious questions that need to be answered, which... Doesn't mean they can't be answered on the pitch, but I, I think like we're nothing unreasonable at, at this point. And obviously, we're emotionally connected to the center backs we've already lost this summer. And um, if Zuma were to go, it'd be another uh, you know emotional loss for us. But it would also be a hell of a lot better than him potentially going to Tottenham because that would just be absolute bullshit. So, um, <laughs> anything else you guys want to wrap on, or should we just end it on that one? No, he, I think that was the perfect closing note. You dropped the cherry on top of this Sunday. Absolute bullshit. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, you know what? Preseason form is here. We've obviously kind of tried to take a break. Not really. So hopefully this wasn't too rusty. But uh, more episodes coming at you again this week. Like so we've got the Tweeds Transfer Notebook episode three coming at you talking about defenders. And we will he will definitely be taking, talking about Kunde and I think a couple others as well. So. Uh, hope you're enjoying that. If so, tweet at che- Tweeds. Tweet at Tweeds. He didn't make that easy on me. Uh, and let us know what you thought about this episode in Kunde. Do you think he's going to be an immediate success? Do you also have concerns? Uh, let us know. Discord through the Patreon is the best way to do it. So anyways, that's going to wrap us up, Chelsea fans. So until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.